Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or Double Twist. Double Twist is for Android devices, Stitcher for any mobile device, and of course, iTunes for Apple devices. Well, we're ready to review the Super Bowl. This will be a shorter show, most likely, than we've had most of the season, because there's only one game to review, no games to preview, and no Minnesota Vikings transactions. There will be only two segments on this show. Of course, the Super Bowl review, and probably a fairly brief fan interaction as well. So let's get right into it. Well, what did I say on this one? I said it was going to be a very close, low-scoring game. I was probably pretty close to being right to that. In fact, I predicted a 24-20 Carolina victory. Instead, it was a 24-10 Denver victory. And I said if the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl, it would be because of their defense most more than anything, and their running game. I've been in C.J. Anderson's corner, and I think he's a very good running back for the Denver Broncos. Not an elite running back, but he's certainly pretty good, that's for sure. Power running, very fast, and he was a big factor in this one. But nothing was bigger than the defense for this Denver Broncos team. It was truly the best defense in the NFL. Kind of shades of the Baltimore Ravens, maybe the New York Giants in a way. I mean, how did the New York Giants beat Tom Brady in the uh, 1997, yeah, right, 2007 season? How did they do it? Defensive line. How did the New York Giants beat the Patriots again with a 9-7 and team? 9-7 and New York Giants team in 2011. Defensive line. How did the Denver Broncos beat Tom Brady in 2015? Defensive line. And, of course, pass rush. Not just the defensive line, but pass rush. Pass rush, pardon me. <laughs> a guy by the name of Von Miller, a very deserving MVP of this game, without a doubt. Uh, and it's just, how ironic is it? That the guy taken number one overall in the 2011 draft, being Cam Newton, was followed by only one pick, by only one pick, and that being Von Miller, number two overall. How ironic that these two guys were basically the win and loss in the Super Bowl here. The number two pick beat the number one pick in the Super Bowl, going against each other. Pretty amazing stuff. It's just really ironic that it turned out that way. And of course, the number one overall pick <laughs> in, in, at, at each position, each quarterback position as well in Peyton Manning, all the way back in 1998 when I graduated high school. Shows how old I'm getting now. <laughs> Peyton Manning, number one pick that year. Of course, Cam Newton, all these years later, all that. Interesting game to a point. Denver was the team that made it more interesting because Carolina didn't come in and roll all over them like they did to the Arizona Cardinals and they started to roll all over the Seattle Seahawks, but of course we know what happened there. But when Denver went up 10 to nothing in this game, and of course the way they went up 10 to nothing, what were the keys to, what are the keys to most Super Bowls? Well, hanging on to the football. Both teams had a problem with that, but Carolina kind of set the tone of this game, <laughs> and particularly Cam Newton and of course Von Miller on Denver by attacking Cam Newton deep in Carolina territory, forcing a fumble which led to a touchdown immediately on the play. It was recovered by Malik Jackson. It was, uh, it, it made it a 10 nothing game. And of course, before that, a very strong drive by a very determined Peyton Manning, which it just reeked of this is his last game and a huge opportunity for him to, well, go out on top. Go out on top and, of course, heal, heal his uh, postseason woes over his career. You don't want to go 1-3 and three in the Super Bowl. You want to at least get back to 500, and that's what Peyton Manning was able to accomplish. That's what he was able to accomplish, <laughs> ultimately, and we're very happy for him in that sense. Peyton Manning was he the main factor in this game. Absolutely not, and everybody knows it. 
Was Cam Newton a big factor in this one? Yeah, on the negative side of things. But that's because of the defensive pass rush by the Denver Broncos. I mean, Cam Newton had nowhere to go. Nowhere to go, nowhere to throw. And when he did throw, his receivers dropped the ball. That was not Cam Newton's fault. And the fumbles ultimately weren't Cam Newton's fault. His reaction after the fumbles. Well, we'll get to that much later in the in, in this one. But with Denver leading, as I'm bouncing all over the place, probably driving you nuts already. But with Denver leading 10 to nothing, I started thinking, you know, uh, Carolina's not Seattle, are they? They're not a team that comes back from behind very often. And this Denver defense... There's a reason they're in this Super Bowl. They weren't lucky. They shut down Tom Brady. With Denver up 10 to nothing against the Carolina Panthers, it's like, you know, they just might win this sucker. They just might win this this thing. It started dawning on me at that point, especially the fumble. And what, what set the tone two years ago for the Denver Broncos? The bad snap, fumble, touchdown, Seattle. So what set the tone for the Carolina Panthers in this one? Well... Ball was knocked away for a fumble and a touchdown. So, again, tone setters. That's what got things going in this Super Bowl. And it always does because the nerves are different in this game. You're nervous in an NFC Championship game, AFC Championship game. Boy, tell me about the 2000s Vikings. (laughs) You're nervous in any football game, any playoff game. But the Super Bowl, you're talking 100 million plus people watching. It's a little different. You're talking (laughs) lights from all over the city on you constantly the whole game. It's a different vibe, a very different vibe. And when you make a mistake like that, when things start going awry like that, it's really, really hard to recover. San Francisco 49ers were one of the few teams that almost did, and that would have been something. That was three years ago. <laughs> that would have been an amazing, in Super Bowl 47, amazing comeback, but they just couldn't finish it because of old alligator arms Randy Moss. Apologize for that, but I had to say it. Carolina, though, looked determined, ready to roll in that second quarter. Down 10 to nothing, and then it's like, okay, here come the Panthers now. Jonathan Stewart, they're establishing the run game, but also Cam Newton finally completing some passes. And (laughs) there were some yards after catch on those passes as well. And it really helped the Carolina Panthers get back in this one. But it's like, you know, I think Denver's going to be okay, possibly, but it's going to be a close one. It'll be a toss-up. We'll see what happens here. After that, it's like Cam Newton, again, never really saw the light of day for the most part. Until he started running the football. Later on in the game, he started to run the ball, and it gave the Panthers hope. It really did. And it made you wonder why he wasn't running earlier. But then the even more amazing part of all this was, why didn't he continue to run? Because if there's a pass rush coming at you the whole game, yeah, it's dangerous and all, but run. It was working. And it was his, it's his most dangerous weapon. How did Russell Wilson survive in all those games, when the Seattle Seahawks were trailing by several several points, you know, multiple touchdowns against Green Bay, touchdown, multiple touchdowns against Carolina, and I mean multiple touchdowns against Carolina, how did Seattle get back in the game? How did Seattle start to look good against the Minnesota Vikings in that frigid weather? Because Russell Wilson started running. Why didn't Cam Newton run? Big question right there. Big question, doesn't it? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? It really begs the question... Oh, man, man, man. <clears throat> Denver Broncos. And apologize if you hear any background noise. Yo, my wife's having breakfast, so <laughs> gotta got to record when I can. So, <laughs> And I have, I have no problem with it. Hopefully she's enjoying her food right now. That's a good thing. <laughs> Denver Broncos. Uh, 
defense continued to shut down Cam Newton after that. The frustration. Did you see any smiling? Did you see any dancing? Did you see one Superman pose in the whole game? You didn't, did you? What's the theme of the last two years? Pride came before a fall, didn't it? Oh, that's pride, that's cockiness. We got this, baby. We're going to win this thing. And then, no, you're not going to win this thing. No. And you heard all that Deflategate conversation last year, which I think, well, you know, I mean, whatever. I think it's, I think it was overrated. And I think the Patriots are were a deserved champion last year. But, of course, about 90% of the population would tell me to go shove it for that comment. Well, you can shove it, too, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this Denver team, in general, deserved this championship. Like, I mean, they deserved it as much as any Super Bowl champion deserved it the last several years. They absolutely earned the Super Bowl championship in such a big way. <laughs> this defense carried them. Just think of how close it was. The Pittsburgh Steelers were going to beat the Denver Broncos. And you know, and I got this vibe. I remember I was like, Pittsburgh is going to beat Denver. And then I changed it. I said, you know what? Denver's going to beat Pittsburgh. That's when I started to change a little bit. And I'm like, you know, that defense is pretty good. And the Broncos are able to maintain their home field when they have it most of the time, as long as the weather isn't too cold. And that Denver defense got the job done, forced a fumble, and then they never looked back again. And multiple fumbles took place in this one. But also, I do think Cam Newton's uh, offensive line let him down at times. Both of the fumbles, I think, were on the offensive line, including Peyton Manning's fumble. Was <laughs> That was the offensive line, of course. What's Peyton Manning supposed to do? Is he supposed to have eyes in the back of his head? So it's two good defenses doing what they do. They did a great job during the course of this game and kept both teams in it for the most part. But Cam Newton's will to win just started to disappear. It just disappeared. It went away. And it never came back. You just saw him slumping over, shaking his head. He, he looked more like Donovan McNabb looked when he was on the Vikings. Every single time it would be like three and out. He would just have that uh, look on his face. And you saw that the whole game from Cam Newton. It was kind of funny. But a very Donovan McNabb or Jeff George-like imitation really took place on that second fumble. Denver already leading. But they, but Carolina still very much had a chance to win the game. I mean, there was just like no excuse. No excuse in that fumble. Carolina was still right there. Right there. It was only 16-10, to 10 and he didn't pounce on the ball. Didn't even, didn't even attempt. Didn't even attempt to go down. It, okay, I'm sure you're in pain. You've been getting smacked around all day. In fact, he was sacked six times, not seven. Seven sacks total for the Broncos, but one of them was on Ted Ginn Jr., who was good at times and dropping the football at times. Um, but he didn't even attempt to pounce on that football. Just go down, land on it. That's all he had to do. He just watched it roll. Next thing you know, Denver had it, and that was it. I mean, that was the game, and everybody knew it. Just ran the ball in, and the Broncos score, and they complete the two-point conversion. That's it. I mean, it was a 16-10 to 10 game. Do you realize that? Why would you not go down? What if you still win the game by one point? Just like, the, just like a certain game that took place at TCF Bank Stadium a few weeks back, where that team won by one point. Damn it. <laughs> Oh, he didn't even attempt to go down on that ball. Unbelievable. Definitely one, of, definitely the story of the game right there, I'd have to say. But it's also the Denver defense forcing the fumble in the first place, that being Von Miller. Thumb, forcing two fumbles and just being an absolute force the entire game. Two and a half sacks to go along with Mr. Von Miller. Just an unbelievable effort. Uh, Akib Tlaib early on, though, he just about, just about cost the Broncos the game the way he was, <laughs> the way the Broncos were doing well. 
and forced the Carolina Panthers into a three and out. And then Hakeem Tlaib <laughs> gets an unnecessary roughness call after the play. Like, what's the point? Shoving the guy gives Cam Newton the first down and everything. And then, <clears throat> and then right after that, Luckily, the Denver Broncos defense forced a three and out again, so it didn't matter. But keep to leave, you're lucky, boy, because it happened again later on. A similar situation where they gave Carolina the ball back. What was he thinking? Just no brain. No, no brain whatsoever. Luckily, again, Denver, the Denver defense as a whole, shut, kept shutting down Carolina, and that's what kept making you believe this, this Denver team is going to win this game, even though Carolina has so much talent and they could score so quickly. They weren't going to score quickly. That was the whole point at the end of the day. They just weren't. It wasn't going to happen. And Denver deserved the Super Bowl in such a big, gigantic way. Overall, Cam Newton finished the day 44% completion percentage, 41 attempts. Quarterback rating 55.4, two fumbles, of course. Second one didn't even attempt to get it. And uh, Cam Newton, only one interception in the game. And that was kind of a drop pass. You could say the ball went right through the guy's arms. Uh... Just a disappointment right there. Uh, a bad, just an overall bad game for Carolina. They just were not up to the task. And Denver was up to the task. They were loosey-goosey, as people like to say. Greg Olson looked like he was going to be a factor, but ultimately he he wasn't. I mean, incomplete passes, mostly from Cam Newton. Also throwaways along the way. That was a huge reason for the uh, poor completion percentage. It wasn't just that Newton was bad. It was more that Denver's defense was absolutely phenomenal. Ted Ginn dropped, I don't know how many passes, but he also made a really huge play, giving Carolina a chance, along with Corey Brown with a 42-yard <laughs> catch-and-go along the way. An overall outstanding effort by those guys, <laughs> other than the trillion drops as well. <laughs> outstanding effort on those plays, pardon me. That's how that goes. Uh, Jonathan Stewart couldn't get going either. Only on that one drive. It looked like they had a chance to get things rolling, but it never came to fruition. Only 12 rush attempts and only two and a half yards per carry other than getting the ball in the end zone. Another key stat, though, like I was talking about earlier, why didn't Cam Newton continue to run the ball? I mean, he only had six rushes for 45 yards. You don't think that would have been a factor along the way? There were multiple plays where he ended up just throwing the ball away, where all he had to do was run. He would have easily got it because everybody was ready for him to pass the ball. Just run. Strange. It's like a strange lack of will to win. It seemed like Cam Newton didn't even want to win the game. <laughs> it seemed like it. Or maybe some of the conspiracy theorists out there might say he got paid off, but nah, he didn't. I doubt it. <sighs> Peyton Manning, just a game manager at this stage, other than that first drive when he looked kind of like Peyton Manning again for a little while in that first drive. Uh, outside of that, game manager, nothing special. That defense carried the day. Absolutely. It was Baltimore with... Uh, with Trent Dilfer at quarterback at this stage in Peyton Manning's career. It's amazing how much a guy's career can drop off in one season. And if Peyton Manning doesn't retire, I'll be shocked beyond beyond like anything. I wouldn't know what to think at that point. Other amazing stats in this one, though. It just it tells the story in such a big way and how amazing the Denver defense was to keep them in this one. Denver only had 11 first downs in the whole game. Just think about that. Carolina managed to get 21. Yet they still only wound up with 10 points in the game. Third down efficiency, 3 of 15. Denver only 1 of 14. An overall great defensive battle that people across the country were complaining about and hated. The average millennial out there thought it was the worst game ever. 
It wasn't the worst game ever. You're just expecting Carolina to go and romp on the Broncos. Do you really want to watch that again? Or would you like to see <laughs> would you like to see a more classy team get the job done? I think I think I'll go with the latter to be quite honest. A team that doesn't have to celebrate after every single good thing that happens. Of course, then again they did a bit in the end zone though. <laughs> I suppose everybody does that, but I don't think they went quite as far as Cam Newton and such with the endless celebrations. So I'm glad we didn't have to see that. Uh, as for Cam Newton's reaction after the game, just sitting there with a hoodie on and giving one, one-word one answers and just kind of pouting, I'm not impressed. I was not impressed with that at all. But at the same time, I wasn't impressed with the questions that were being asked his way. How disappointed were you with this loss? It's like, well, how how disappointed is he supposed to be? And then after that question, after he didn't answer it, he just kind of stared at the guy. Well, can you please assess the disappointment you have you you feel right now with this loss? It's like, why do you keep pushing it? How do you really want to just focus on how disappointed you are, or just talk about the game in general? Like maybe talk about a play here and there. Why do you have to assess somebody's disappointment after losing the Super Bowl? Do you think he's happy? I mean, I don't know. I mean, would would you want somebody asking you to express your disappointment after losing the Super Bowl in front of a hundred million people and getting embarrassed the way he did? Would you want that? Probably not. But again, I'll keep. I'll continue to say Cam Newton acted like a jackass the whole time. I think, <laughs> and he cried and whined the whole game for the most part. And late in the game, he was rolling around and getting pissed off and crying and all that. So, I'm not impressed with Cam Newton, to be quite honest with you. Um, I'm not. He's a good football player, but is he a champion? Well, he isn't yet, and he certainly isn't acting like one. That's for damn sure. So we'll wrap things up with that. Overall, a well-deserved victory for the Denver Broncos, world champions for the third time, and to think that this franchise has been to the Super Bowl eight times in their history. Eight times. They went once back in the uh, 70s. Ken Norton was the quarterback against uh, Roger Staubach in the 1975 Super Bowl. Roger Staubach, Dallas Cowboys, of course, the infamous push-off season, (laughs) the push-off, Drew Pearson push-off against the Vikings. Vikings most likely would have beat that Denver team because Dallas Cowboys rolled all over them and the Vikings would have beaten the Cowboys. So do the math there. I think the Vikings would have won that Super Bowl. Then you see Denver lose three times in the 80s, getting crushed by the uh, getting crushed by the Redskins and the 49ers and, and the Giants and such. But again, it's just how it goes. And then many years later, John Elway finally had an amazing team with Terrell Davis getting back-to-back Super Bowls, 97-98. That 97 Super Bowl was so much fun to watch. And in a way, this one was kind of like that because you had this cocky, younger, talent, super talented, highly favored team going in. But the Broncos, they just kind of had this vibe. Like, they knew they were going to win that game. And everybody that I knew had a pretty good feeling Denver was going to win the Super Bowl that year because of how good they were. They just didn't have a good record, that's all, because their schedule was so much tougher. But they still had the best running back in football, and John Elway was as hungry and determined as he ever could be. And the defense was respectable, good coaching, this and that. And they went back-to-back Super Bowls in that 98 team, which could have been the Vikings again. That would, they would have had a hell of a time, I think, with that Denver team. Oh, I mean, they rolled over that Atlanta Falcons team like they weren't even there. Like, the Atlanta Falcons were holograms in that game. Not even a factor. The Broncos of 98 were an amazing football team. Elway walked away, called it quits after winning the Super Bowl MVP, despite the fact <laughs> he was probably one year away from one year too many. He would have came back, it would have been 2010 Brett Favre. 
or 2015 <laughs> Peyton Manning. Luckily for Manning, <laughs> he missed some time during the season, and I think that helped in a big way. It helped in a huge, huge way. <laughs> have it seeing Osweiler out there. It kind of made Peyton Manning kind of sit down, kind of re- regather himself, get back at it again when it, when it was playoff time. Luckily, they they put him back in there for his sake, and there you go. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't have to be a 2010 Brett Favre because he was a game manager. Brett Favre was never going to be a game manager for the Vikings in 2010. He was going to have to try to be the man the whole time, despite the fact his career was over. It was basically over. He was just kind of finishing it up. That's all. <laughs> That's all. Just finishing up the last couple months of his of his career. So, with that said, if Peyton Manning doesn't retire, I'll be, again, I'll be shocked beyond belief if he doesn't retire. Because if this wasn't one year too many, next year would be two years too many. And when you get into that point, my goodness, my goodness, he, he, he's not going to be starting very long next year if he, if he comes back to play again. So, why would you not walk out with a Super Bowl championship in this, you know, why would you not walk away winning a Super Bowl championship? It doesn't get better than that. And John Elway wisely did that because he knew... 1999, it was going to be one year too many, and he wasn't going to be the same guy. And even more unlucky, <laughs> Terrell Davis went down with the ACL and like, was it the second game of the season? That was it for that Broncos team until, well, many, many years later. <laughs> many, many years later. Yeah, they had a couple of good seasons with Jake Plummer. And then, of course, many it took many, many years later when John Elway became the general manager. An amazing job he's done with that Broncos team. <laughs> and he, acquiring Peyton Manning having unbelievable statistics when he came back after the neck injury, Peyton Manning, that is, missing a season, 55 touchdowns, like, that's not even human, and then getting rolled over by the Baltimore Ravens and a blustery day in Denver, getting crushed by Seattle after having a really strong season the next year and beating the Patriots in the AFC title game, crushed by Seattle last year, just another pretty, pretty easy loss and all that, the Colts rolled all over them, and then John Elway said, "You know what? Let's let's change things up here. Let's let's stop going from like trying to be an elite passing game with a defensive coach, bringing Gary Kubiak and then Wade Phillips, about as good of a defensive coordinator as there is in history of football. Get back out there and coach that Denver defense. Continue to acquire great defensive players along the way for the Broncos that they were they were building up. Von Miller was on the team the whole time the last couple of years, but continuing to develop and get better coaching behind him and such." Turn Payne Manning more into a game manager, and then there you are, your world champions. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad, as Peyton Manning continued to, you know, decline during his career, throwing ducks out there rather than throwing bullets. <clears throat> they just weren't bullets anymore. They were ducks. They were pretty much ducks even when he was having those amazing seasons. <laughs> as it got colder that year, he wasn't the same guy. So it's just kind of is what it is, and the Broncos hey, were able to pull this thing off in a pretty amazing fashion. I, I was very, very impressed with what this team was able to accomplish during this postseason. Despite the fact I said, out of the four teams remaining in the conference finals, Denver is the least likely to win the championship, and I'd be absolutely shocked. Well, I'm I'm eating crow. I'm eating crow right now for that, because Denver really, really overcame being the biggest underdog out of the four teams. They did an amazing job, New New York Giants style. Eli Manning wasn't necessarily smiling, but he was, I'm sure, quite happy for his brother. Why not? (laughs) Why not come come out with two championships to, to tie him up? And maybe now Eli can go out there and win a third. Who knows? Maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't. But we'll wrap up this segment, and we'll get to fan interaction right after this. 
And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, in this case, Fan Interaction. Remember, you can call into the show, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Purple Mafia or Joey or whatever. But yeah, Purple Mafia, preferably. And then statement, shout out, comment, whatever it is. Those of you that are overseas, like the Dave Martins and such. Maybe you're in Scotland, maybe you're in Britain, maybe New Zealand, Tanae Brown, or Australia, Vince Germano, guys like that. This is the day and age of smartphones. You can use a sound recorder, audio recorder, on your cell phone. Keep it to about a minute. It still would count as a call-in. I mean, it's very easy to do. Just record for a minute or so, like whatever you're going to say. And then send it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. So now we go into the general fan interaction on the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Or just simply search Purple Mafia Show in the Facebook uh, search bar and click on the one that says page or company, whatever, and like the page and rock and roll from there. Gerald String says, uh, as we leave off from the last show, he says, Thanks for the cold star, Joey. I'm sure you've seen the news. Bridgewater, Bar, Harry, all headed for the Pro Bowl. Pretty cool. And it was cool indeed. It really wasn't. Bridgewater looked pretty good. Throwing deep passes? How about that? A couple of deep touchdowns from Teddy Bridgewater? All right, then. One good thing about Teddy Bridgewater compared to Cam Newton, what is it? He seems to play pretty well with the with the lights on him. So we'll, we'll see. Of course, Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been in a really, really, really big game yet. But in the early stages, he looks like he's pretty good in these situations. And he's not worried about doing as many celebrations. He's just worried about like winning the football game. How about that? How about that? Maybe that's a little bit more important, isn't it? We'll get back to the Silver Bowl postgame thoughts right after this, but I'm going to go to the visitor post first, just to kind of, so I don't forget, and I don't make screw up this thing. That would be a disappointing on my part. Sebastian Falls, yep, says, yeah, this is the Super Bowl, or highlights of the Minnesota Vikings offense. Ooh, was Ronald McDonald on the phone there. It looked like about in the 1980s or so. I like that. It's kind of cool looking. It's got to be the 80s, I think, maybe early 90s. Ali, Ali posting an article at Pro Football Spot. You know, I didn't even realize this, and I feel really bad. I mean, I kind of knew. It, it's, it's like I knew it, and then it, I, it, I blank on it. But Ali's actually the writer for Pro Football Spot. So he actually writes these articles, which is fantastic. It's so well done. Five Vikings on the way out. And Ali, please keep posting these on here. You're more than welcome to do that. We're more than welcome to <laughs> give you any... Uh, Possible extra readers we can we can give you. This is a. I mean, you're more than welcome to post these. I, I, I mean, for someone for people out there, another say Timberwolves pages, Viking pages. When I post my podcast, if you think it's spam, you're being kind of a jerk. I think it's not spam. That's that's bullcrap. But so yeah, it's not. I mean, you're looking for, uh, you know, you're looking for the you're looking for an audience and a related audience, like the right one. Yeah, you get the idea. The word isn't coming to me. But for the five players, he's listing wide receiver Mike Wallace, obviously the financial reasons and the fact that he had a struggling year, but it wasn't all his fault necessarily. He's saying how nobody is going to pay Wallace anything close to $11.45 million. Um, Basically like $11.5 million next year. So we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll be able to... uh, renegotiate that contract down to six or seven million and uh, I would be all for keeping Mike Wallace he's a good he's a pretty good player 
good in the locker room, good attitude, and he's got leadership capabilities, believe it or don't. John Sullivan, obviously, you got the back issues and such. $5.4 million owed in 2016 and 17. will be 31 years old on opening day. The one thing, I mean, 31's okay. It's, it's not young or anything, but, uh, you know, we've seen centers last till they're 38 and such. Of course, a back problem isn't good, but look at Peyton Manning with a neck injury. He played till he was almost 40 years old, so who knows? Who knows? I'm... Of course, Peyton Manning's a quarterback, not a center, but you get the idea. We've seen centers last a long, long time. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. He's talking about how they could shuffle the line all over the place and such, depending on how things are going. He's been the, you know, been the starter, obviously, since 2009. We'll see what happens with John Sullivan. Right now, I think he'll be back, but you just don't know. Will, will we sign another? Will we sign a free agent? I haven't gotten into it yet, so I do apologize. I haven't gotten into free agency yet, so I don't have a list in front of me. And, of course, the draft as well. John Sullivan didn't start at center via the draft. Neither did Matt Burke over the course of time. It took him about two or three years, and all of a sudden they were the center of the Vikings due to a departure of Jeff Christie in Matt Burke's case. And Matt Burke was actually drafted as a... Uh, he was drafted as a tackle, a right tackle, if I remember correctly. And he ended up being uh, the center, ultimately, and a hell of a good one. Sullivan was a center with, with short arms. That was the take on him, and six-round pick in both cases. Very... <laughs> He'd, he'd be a big loss, but at the same time, kind of like Matt Burke, the injuries. The injuries have started to kind of plague him. So watch John Sullivan go on and win a Super Bowl with the Broncos or something, or the or the Patriots or something, just like the other guys over the course of time. Right tackle, Phil Lodeholt had an ACL injury. And he'd been kind of up and down, disappointing. I can't believe he's 30 already. What the heck? I mean, time is really fast. Lodeholt is 30. Wasn't he... Taken in, yeah, he was taken in 2009. That's what I thought. He was a rookie. Right tackle in 2009. Brett Favre's, for, uh, Brett Favre's year here with the Vikings. He's MVP type of season. And he's 30 already. Wow, that's crazy. $5.4 million, just like John Sullivan in 2016. Final year of his contract, which could mean he's on his way out. Rookie TJ Clemmings, though, was not good. No, I mean, I do agree. I mean, he was not good. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were both back, but... At the same time, uh, I, I think if one of them is going to go, it's probably Lodeholt. Uh, I think the odds of Sullivan sticking around are higher. Plus, it's I, I think it's a little harder to find an established center and get ready to go when this team is looking for making some type of a playoff run. But Vikings should be looking to draft a center at the bare minimum. Maybe in the sixth round again. Ooh, it, it worked two times in a row over the course of many years. Defensive end Brian Robison. It seems like every year there's a chance he'll be gone. But he's, he always ends up coming back and having a strong season. Drafted all the way back in 2007 now. That, so that was when I started doing uh, YouTubes for uh, Minnesota Vikings. That was my that was what you'd call a video podcast, I suppose, at the time. About four-minute, five-minute videos. You can always check those out. They're still on there. Paladino Live. Just look up Paladino Live, Minnesota Vikings. You'll see all kinds of stuff on there. Um, and then uh, Daniil Hunter looked awfully good during the course of the season. And that's a guy who could end up replacing Brian Robinson in one of the defensive end positions who would uh, bookend that defensive line along with Everson Griffin, who is the overall star right now and a deserved pro bowler for the Vikings over there. Because, yeah, it was obviously Griffin and Adrian uh, rounded up the five <laughs> five pro total pro bowlers for the Vikings. Yeah, Daniel Hunter was a third-round pick. Obviously, really strong. Six sacks in 14 games. We'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, 
Ali believes that Hunter could very well take his starting spot. I, I agree. It, it's possible. Robinson came in kind of as a rotation type of guy. Maybe you're going to have a rotation type of situation. Zimmer's known to do that. Keeps players fresh. Keeps the pass rush quick, fast, athletic, all that. Because nobody's tired, nobody's gassed, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be pretty fun to... Uh, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting offseason, without a doubt. We're we're at a crossroads right now, uh, in a in a good way though. I mean, we're at we're trying to get to that next plateau here, and so it's a very pivotal offseason. Certain moves and such. That's how the Broncos won the Super Bowl. He's making the right moves, right time, right place. Linebacker Chad Greenway, he wants to come back, but we'll see what happens with things. In a limited role, he can sure be a hell of a linebacker still. That's the thing. It's like when you're not counting on him to be a full to be the full-time linebacker, he's fantastic. When you are counting on him to be a full-time linebacker, he's kind of, you know, Peyton Manning, like kind of past his prime and such. Just not quite as old, but of course, injuries and all that have plagued him during the course of his career. And you have other linebackers that can help him out now, and that makes him look a hell of a lot better. You have Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks back-to-back seasons. I mean, when you have guys like that, playing at the level that, they, that they're capable of. It takes a lot of pressure off of Chad Greenway. And then there he is, rocking and rolling. And I think having Chad Greenway back it will be a good thing. He's just a nice leader for those young guys. A nice example. And again, like I just said 20 times already, <laughs> with the pressure off, less pressure on him with those talented young guys helping him out. He's still, he's still a very good linebacker. So I'm all for bringing Chad Greenway back. And I'm the kind of guy... Who's been, you know, who's been a who who had been a critic of of him, but of course that's because at the end of the day, Chad Greenway was on an island out there, and it made him look worse than he was. So some guys are just better when, and obviously some guys are just better when the pressure's off them too, and the pressure is off Chad Greenway. That is a good thing. So now let's get to the Super Bowl thoughts. Let's just hop right into that ASAP here. It looks like about thirteen or so, but probably not all that long. Sebastian Ball says, Cam Newton be like, I dab not dive. <laughs> I dab not dive. <laughs> yep, he's, uh, he wasn't into diving for that football, was he? He really wasn't, Sebastian. And do check out the Purple Press Box on YouTube. Purple Press Box. And, of course, he also, on the same YouTube channel, has motivational speeches. Absolutely outstanding. Sebastian will be on this show for the State of the Vikings episode, which will come up in a few weeks to a month or so. Something like that. Late February, early March, maybe even mid-March if it comes to it. Uh, sometimes it even drags into late March, but we'll see what happens. Uh, free agency, draft, State of the Vikings, 2016, all of that good stuff. He'll be on the show in some form, be, be it a long uh, audio submission, which which, uh, I'm, which could be something like that. It would be like a whole segment done by Sebastian, or we're on together. It depends on the schedule. I have to record these in the mornings now. Years ago, I recorded at like 10.30, 11 o'clock p.m. Now I tend to record in the mornings, like 9 a.m., 10, 10, a, 10 a.m., you know, that type of time. Different location, different situation. It's called getting married, you know, totally different situation. So, yeah, um, I kind of miss recording at night, but hey, it, it happens. So, and there's nothing that bad about it. And occasionally I record in the afternoons, like on the weekends, maybe the afternoons or even the evenings. It's not always in the morning, but... The morning is the best when I record during the week. So, yeah, it's it's kind of all over the place. And Sebastian's schedule, he's kind of a third shift type of guy. So it gets very interesting trying to piece that together. And I'm already dragging this too long. But do check out that Purple People press box. Sebastian Balls has my blessing as I have his blessing as well. 
on our two shows and such. Josh Mayer Henry says the Denver defense was a dominant force tonight, led by the MVP Von Miller. They learned that defense wins Super Bowls, and they sure did. And John Elway did a hell of a job putting that together. Josh Mayer Henry and Justin Mayer Henry uh, live in Colorado as Viking fans. Uh, Gerald String, his second favorite team is the Denver Broncos, just like my favorite team is the New England Patriots. And Gerald says the defense wins championships. Felix Depel out of Germany says, well, at least not another Viking, not another franchise has his first title for the Vikings with a with a wink and a smile there. And I agree, buddy. I agree in a big way. That's that that is a big deal. So Arizona and Carolina have been denied the opportunity to do that. I remember Arizona back in 09, uh, 08 and um, the Carolina Panthers here in 2015. I would have. Definitely taking Arizona over the Saints, though, in 2009. <clears throat> or maybe the Vikings. Just get it in 2009, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. But, well. Mark Carlson out of Iowa says Panthers had more than their fair chance to put this game away. And they sure did. You can't turn the ball over and expect a W. Nice Denver D. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Good game. It, it was. It really was, Mark. Gerald String says there just isn't anything Cam could do against that defense. Peyton... Peyton's got a uh, Peyton got a freebie. Vikings got a defense that looks very very similar to Denver. Well, yeah, similar, uh, not quite as good, but similar. Yes, it's getting better. It's getting there. It's getting close, and uh, it's getting really close actually. And I think last year they were a lot closer than say uh, Zimmer's first year there, where they were good, but they still had holes, a lot of familiar holes, we'll say. Leland Elberston, also out of Iowa. Uh, Sebastian also posted the same picture with Ronald McDonald on the phone. That was funny. <laughs> uh, Leland says, all in all, it was a good game in my opinion. No blowouts, and got to see a grown man act like a two-year-old, throwing tantrums and rolling on the ground. Priceless. And that, of course, was the same guy in his hoodie just doing what he does, I guess. Being unhappy, being pissed off, and well, I mean, I, I don't blame him for being pissed off, and I don't blame him for being annoyed with the questions, but, uh, uh, you know, still, he, he could have handled it a lot better. Um, Bill Belichick handles things better than that, and Bill Belichick is not a good interview. Breaking news! Breaking news as it happens, Bill Belichick's not a good interview, but he's, he he kicked Cam Newton's butt. <laughs> he, he would kick Cam Newton's butt with, with what we saw the other day. Um, Where was I? Purple Mafia, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show for Twitter. We'll wrap things up here. And I do believe this is uh, not a whole lot here. GPL says, thanks for following us on Twitter, and you're welcome. <laughs> and and New, New Jersey Web Builders, NJ, I'm sure it means New Jersey, says, you are well, you're welcome also, so they appreciate that. Uh, See what I, I'm gonna click on that. Okay, I did follow them. That's what I thought. Thank you very much. And I think that's about. I think there's a there's a retweet. Yep, Vince and Tanae retweeting Turbo Mafia episode 2011, the conference and such. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. It helps a lot. Malcolm and others were retweeting, and a, a few others are retweeting. I was saying Teddy Bridgewater with a nice drive there in the, in the Pro Bowl, and that was a very good one. Mm-hmm. And. I posted that, man, halftime shows suck. Who, who, Whoever invented a channel changer deserves a Medal of Honor. Hashtag Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree without a doubt. I guess that's it. I guess that's it. So I want to thank you guys for listening. It's been a fantastic uh, 20, 
fourth season watching the Vikings and the NFL from start to finish, from preseason to Super Bowl. 24 years now for myself. It could have been 30, but it's 24. So it just is what it is, right? <laughs> I started inadvertently watching, like, say, 87-ish because of the Twins, and then I kind of just kind of just went back to only baseball for a little while there. I wish I branched into football and basketball and hockey, but I just didn't. I, I really wish I did, but, you know, I just didn't. Unfortunately, I just talked to just the Twins back then when I was a kid. So here I am 24 years later covering the Vikings for, what is it, the eighth season of Purple Mafia? Man, that is just something else, isn't it? Wow. Absolutely crazy. Eight, yeah, <laughs> or is it the seventh season of Purple Mafia? Regardless, yeah, it was seven years of Purple Mafia now. Incredible. I've enjoyed every minute of it. And there will be an eighth year. There will be an eighth year, even though, even though I go back and forth about that at times. Unless something dramatically changes, there will be an eighth year of Pro Mafia. And, of course, there will be a State of the Vikings 2016 coming up very, very shortly. I look forward to doing that. Well, not super shortly, but soon, in time. Nothing is time-sensitive. That's what I like now. It's more chill. I can kind of focus on the Timberwolves explosion and Brave the Wild rather than three shows at once. That's not easy to do. So we'll just kind of go from there. I'll try to keep active on the Facebook page and the Twitter account and such. And, again, want to thank you all so very much. And if I can be smart and remember and pass out <laughs> the 2015 Gold Star of the Year, Silver Star, and Bronze Star of the Year, I will be definitely doing that on the State of the Vikings 2016. And um, I have a pretty good idea who's going to get what they're going to get. And I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. Hope you guys are ready for it and listening and able to receive your award audio, audio, audio I, I suppose, in, in audio form is what I'm trying to say. And there you go. So with that, we're going to wrap things up and congratulate the Denver Broncos one more time. And we'll be back to talk to you about State of the Vikings in a few weeks.